GameStop, so that's why he couldn't make it today. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Something right. about, you know, his stocks hmm. along those lines. And Callum is still on suspension in the DR, so. <laughs> suspension now. Brett, that's why you are here today. Why, thank you. Welcome back to the Keen Lake Podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. We are out on location, and as you could hear, too, we have a special co-host with us from the one and only Sagamore Spirit, Brett W. Power, 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 power. Happy Friday, Friday. Yeah, and the W is for winning, as we've established before in the podcast. All right. Yeah. It works for me. Fly the W. I hope that uh, the orange and blue high schools flying the W tonight. It probably won't be because the nation's number one player in the country will probably go off for 29, 13, and 6 with two blocks. be a lot of rebounds for Io DeSumo, but I think it could be done. It might be done. That's what you meant by the nation's number one player, right? Well, no, I was talking about Luca Garza. Oh, yeah. No, he's not He's pretty good. We're here to talk about some college basketball today. We're, sh- yeah. we're, we're here to shake things up a little bit. Big Ten basketball all day, all night. No? All right. Maybe not. We should probably introduce our guest and where we are on location as we took a, taking a little field trip out to the western suburbs over to the beautiful, what is this, Cottage Grove area? I don't know. What do you call these little towns over here? Village? We're in Geneva? Yeah. Oh, Township, I Township? think. Township? Right? I think so, right? Why not? <laughs> the Village of Geneva. We're going with it. The yeah, suburb it's of not Geneva. Lake Geneva. If you hit Lake Geneva, you went too far. Yep, went too far north. But we are here with the one and only Ian Stewart, Dram Stewart of the Beer Cellar in Geneva. But they also have a location in Glen Ellen. Not to be confused, it's the same company. Yeah, glad to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. It's always great hanging out with some of my favorite people. And when Wilson's not here, you guys will suffice. <laughs> oh, so. hey. when do they get here? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, Ian, you've only been on the podcast once, right? Yeah, that is true. The 100 episode? Yep. Yeah, a drunken fiasco. That was all at Fountainhead, right? Uh, yes, it was, yeah. before it closed. Actually, that was the night they decided to close as a company. Right, it was upstairs? Um, it was downstairs in the barrel room. Oh, um, right, right, right. But uh, I think Bob got the information shortly after we stopped recording, mm. it seemed like. His, uh, his mood went down a notch. Yeah, Rightfully so. Noticeable change in the room. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Great night overall, though. I mean, it was. the podcast itself was amazing. Uh, some some say it's amazing, all 126 episodes. It's true. Or, yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, this is 126, Brett. Is it really? Your lucky number. Wow. How'd <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, I know everything about you. Um, but, yeah, Just we like are. Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good callback. <laughs> We're sitting here on Friday, January 28th. Ninth, twenty ninth, twenty ninth. Yeah. yeah, bars are and bars and restaurants have a twenty five percent capacity back open in Chicago, which is good to see. Bartenders are still crying on Instagram and Facebook about how it's dangerous to go back to work. So I don't know what the point of doing that is when you've been closed for months. But hey, what do you know? Uh, I don't know anything about politics or COVID. But Ian has one sh- run on a, one round of shots, so he's above us all. Yeah, as of about two hours ago. Mm. So yeah. how's your arm feel? It feels great so far. Um, the people I've talked to said it's the next day that really kicks <laughs> your ass. But um, yeah, I'm just just glad to be on on cycle now. So is your ear usually all the way down <laughs> by your chin, or is that maybe yeah, a no, side I, effect? I haven't noticed, but I was wondering what that <laughs> felt like. Mm-hmm. Wilson was giving different shots on January 26th in Washington D.C. <laughs> Hey, young world. 
<laughs> Indeed. But yeah, we wanted to come together today out to the beer cellar, uh, A, to talk about a little bit of the industry from the retail side of things, which we've been covering a little bit here on the Key in the Late podcast ever since the pandemic kind of hit. And last, uh, last our last uh, live episode, we re-ran the Kobe Bryant tribute this past week because I was too lazy and busy with work, my, my real job, to actually focus on the Key in the Lake, Brett. So... But we also, I also thought it'd be a good idea if we talked a little bit about Ian individually too, about his foray into the whiskey world. Um, before you started being a buyer and purveyor here at the beer cellar, you're one of the most trusted people I could think of in the whiskey industry when you were talking about palates, flavors, taste, uh, good whiskey to buy, good whiskey to or whiskey to avoid as well, and what's kind of what uh, what's your money's worth and what you should be not hunting for, but looking for. Well, that's high praise. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's just, coming it's from just a guy like passion. me. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, no. I just. Uh, I, I've. I've just had this odd. Uh, you know, love of whiskey for longer than I should have. Um, I. Uh, you know, still remember sneaking some old beam out of out of the my dad my family's you know they're not whiskey drinkers so i I think this uh old bottle of beam had been passed through multiple generations (laughs) just ends up in my dad's cabinet and i'm so nervous you know as i'm like 11 years old and have a friend over stay in the night and we're just pouring like just the tiniest little bit you're 11 yeah i saw i know you're that young i saw it and i was just like uh, you know hey let's let's try just a tiny tiny little sip and uh did and uh you know, my friend thought it was atrocious. He he just, like, was not loving it. And I, of course, you know, the burn just got me, and I was like, but you know what? There's something about this that's actually kind of cool. And uh didn't, you know, obviously I was just a one-time, one-off deal, but it stuck in my head. And, and then fast forward to college when, uh, you know, it was it, I, I started to get back into it, and it's just kind of been ever-present uh, since then. So. College more like your standard... What I would think, Beam, Jack Daniels. Very much so. Irish. I, I had a, mm. a, you know, foray into Irish whiskey at that point. Um, like Jameson or like? Yeah, yeah. It was very basic Irish whiskey. Uh, Blackbush. It was when I, it, it really, like, history major, I had to write loads of papers. Um, and it was, you know, there was no better way to start a paper than like a Jameson and Ginger or something <laughs> just to. Uh, you know, get the creative juices flowing. And, uh, you know, it just got me thinking more and more about whiskey. And uh, eventually, you know, once I once I got into the single malts, it was, you know, it was the rabbit hole. How'd you I get, was down it, so. How do you go from Jameson and Ginger to a big spring break fan? And I know you're a big <laughs> single malt guy overall. Uh, um, that's, I, that, that, that had to be, <laughs> I, don't, I imagine it's not just flip of a coin. I no, mean, there had no. to be a transition or a, a a journey it, it was I, I think it really kicked off when i was in and i really didn't take as much of advantage of this as i should have <laughs> but i i spent some time studying abroad in england um you know canterbury south of england uh and there was just there there were whiskeys i had never seen before at that point and, I, and all of a sudden i started exploring I, it started with standard glenlivet you know glenlivet 12 uh dirt cheap as far as single malts go and uh I, there was something about it that just was unlike anything I had ever tried. And it, it really got me, um, it, it actually was kind of a quick jump. I, I tried, a maybe I think it was a Laphroaig 10 Ooh. and I was like, I, I did not hate it. Yeah, I absolutely. It, it's, that's the know, answer right there. Yeah. I, I thought, well, wow, this is really interesting. And I, it showed me the range 
that, that single malts can have. Um, everything from sweet, fruity, and floral, um, all the way down to just, you know, licking the inside of a chimney. Like it was, it was, uh, just an amazing experience, super, um, educational. And I've just never lost the interest. I've never, ever once thought this is, you know, that I don't want to try the next thing that's coming out or, or explore deeper. So well, you were traveling by train going to distilleries, right? Yeah, um, I, I, it wasn't. It was more just traveling by train to do it. Okay. Um, I think I, I grabbed a, you know, grabbed my backpack one day, got a train pass, and just went to Scotland. Right. And, um, you know, the cool thing about being in college is, you know, one the the cool thing and the awful thing is that you're flat broke, no money, so. You have to be creative in things like where you sleep at night and <laughs> what you, you wash buy. How you, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, hostel to hostel, sleep on a train when you can, yeah. just city to city. And in Scotland, it's it's not terribly difficult to do that. There's hostels in most cities, and um, generally it's so sparsely populated that you can just kind of lock in somewhere for the night, you know, find yeah. some kind of covering and just, just relax. I mean – not not the ideal way, not the safest way. I wouldn't tell people it's, you know, now now to go do that. But, uh, man, does it give you this insight into what the country's, you know, the real country's actually mm-hmm. like. Not from, you know, the window of a four-star hotel and, you know. Uh, just, it lets you know, too, you can travel without having money. I mean, oh. Does, just have to get, you have to get over there, essentially, yeah. from our point of view. And then once you get there, there's so many different options to take. Very reasonable over there. I yeah. mean, as All far of, as, a lot of Europe, most of yeah. Europe. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a few places, right. I mean, depending on the time of year. But um, Scotland, especially, mm-hmm. is uh, you know, in England, is just very, very easy. You know, people freak out about the exchange rate a little bit, but it's it's honestly, it's the, not that bad. You know, dollar for dollar, you're you're definitely not in a bad way. You can buy single malt whiskey a lot cheaper over there. You absolutely can. One of you saved by swimming across the Atlantic as opposed to flying. (laughs) I mean, you got lots of money. Or you take the Ilian Gonzalez route. (laughs) Yes, or raft. Yeah, just stay stay away from the White Star Line. That uh, has a a checkered past. Yeah, don't want to go out in one of those. How much of Scotland did you see in that first journey? I mean, beyond Edinburgh? Um... Yeah, I yeah definitely. I, I made it all the way up to Wick. Actually. Oh wow! So oh, yeah, it was it, you know next next stop would have been Orkneys. Right. So um, have you been there? I haven't. No, I at that point because I couldn't afford <laughs> to ferry across. <laughs> ferry, yeah. I was you know I had to get on the the train. It was great because from there it was a sleeper train, so oh. I had like a ready made you know night's sleep. I didn't have to find a hostel, but um, I just remember getting to Wick and what time of year? This was spring, okay. okay. So it, it wasn't bad, but it was still pretty. It's three degrees north hectic. latitude of Moscow. People don't realize that's how high up it is. So think of what we all know about right. Moscow weather. Wick is actually three degrees. What did that be? Latitude, yeah. Pretty bright that time of year too, right? All What's year, that, sir? pretty bright that time of year too. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, that got me in trouble in Scotland once. <laughs> I, I, it was still early enough spring that it was pretty standard. Okay. Uh, for here, you know, to here, but I mean, and the other thing is with, uh, you know, the Gulf Stream and all that, yeah. it's, it, it's, you know, we're so much further north than we are here, but it's very moderate temperature wise, which actually 
you know, is interesting when it plays into how whiskey matures mm. in Scotland. I mean, the, the very, very um, gradual change in temperature from morning to night or from one time of the year to the next. Right. Um, it just gives a very gentle maturation environment. Did you go to Pulteney? I didn't. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, here's, here was, here's my uh, wick trip. I got off the train. I walked into the first pub I could find. Um, there was, it was a sailor's pub, like oh, nice. not, not like, you know, people who like to go out on, on yachts and stuff. I'm, you know, you're talking grizzled North sea, you know, yeah. fishermen, all, you know, typical fishermen, beanies, all that kind of, you know, stuff. It was, I, I felt, uh, I felt like the least manly man in that <laughs> entire place. Uh, but I just sat there, had a beer, and it was just absorbing that whole experience. I mean, it smelled like, uh, you know, salt and fish in there mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just having a nice beer. All these guys who were just glad to be on solid ground for however long before they hop back on their ships and head back out. It was so cool. Like, I, I just it, I, I remember everything about that place uh, walking in. But then I, I didn't have much time, so I had to, like, get right back on the train to start heading south because I had nowhere to stay. And okay. it would have been a little more inhospitable for me to stay up there. It would have, just the night would have been a little... Mop some bar floors. Yeah, yeah right. Wash some dishes. Spending <laughs> your life working closet. on the North Sea. Yeah. So how did you go from all of that to eventually, essentially building your own whiskey bar in your basement? Because uh, you have an awesome... Only by pictures I've seen. Yeah. Uh, one day I'll visit. But yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you have an awesome whiskey bar that you basically have built your collection around. You built your basement around your whiskey collection, it seems like. Pretty much. Uh, it was. It, it really does come back to that time, the time I spent in pubs uh, over in England and Scotland. And it there's just this homey atmosphere that I could not replicate anywhere I'd go here. So I was like, well, screw it. I've got... A, a bar in my basement, I can make this feel, at least feel like those low ceilings. So it's got the same vibe as some of these, you know, great pubs in Canterbury or Edinburgh or, you know, even Dublin, you know, some mm-hmm. of these places that, that I was hopping around to. And uh, it, it was Facebook marketplace, a patient wife and a lot of time. That's what it, that's what it was. It was just finding stuff for cheap to kind of stick in there. And, um, and I, I really am comfortable with it. I feel like, to me, it feels like what I wanted, and everyone else seems to really enjoy it there when they stop by. It could be all the whiskey that I give them. But, um, yeah, no, it's uh, I, I, I love that space because it takes me back there, and that was such a great place to be. When you started building your whiskey, I don't want to say collection, but just started having a lot of bottles, was it mostly single malt or was it bourbons and American whiskeys too? It's a massive mix. I'm just so curious for all whiskey, all world whiskey. Um, obviously we have so much access to American. I, the majority of it is single malt. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't, there's not many whiskey producing areas of the world. I don't have something from whether it's a sample or whether it's a, you know, some kind of, kind of expression or something new that's coming down the pipes that could be interesting. Um, it's it's just it's fun it's just a fun journey to be on i mean you guys know you guys are yeah. involved in it it's not just a I don't know job anything. it's <laughs> well, not new news <laughs> how many bottles are you up to i my wife may listen to this so i'm just gonna I, i'm gonna actually uh abstain from answering okay. that please uh, the fifth 
God. Yeah, I'm going to plead the fifth, but uh, <laughs> you more, guys can, you guys can come over and check it out. I'll take you back in the more, ball. More than a hundred. Let's, let's, let's say that way. Well, safely, safely, yeah, safely, yeah, more yeah, than a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I like have come to the point now where I hide my newest purchases like with my Star Wars boxes because my wife just gets mad at me. That's genius. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's genius. It's just one way of not being yelled at. <laughs> or just leave it in the it's car like, right now and have some really cold whiskey at this point of year. Yeah. that's Which I I, I, my, I was posting a picture or I was talking to a uh, another former rep now kind of Instagram blogger. That's his full-time job and I was texting pictures from like a little video shoot I was doing at my house the other day. He's like, "Oh, I love your setup in there. It's like all Star Wars bar." I'm like, yeah, I have a very patient wife. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down right. to. Really, like my whole second bedroom is just <laughs> my little fun room. Yeah, I mean, you know, we. I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have terribly expensive hobbies. So, I mean, yeah. it's my exploration. You know, fun journey into whiskey is pretty much it. So, uh, you know, my wife is very understanding of that. Uh, you know, so that it works out, right? Yeah. <laughs> I play Kube and disc golf, so you can tell. Mm-hmm. It costs just a little setup fee, and that's about yeah. it. So, yeah, I, I hear you on the not expensive hobbies. <laughs> I, so po- I podcast. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Initial investment, and then there you go. Yeah. One of these <laughs> days we'll have uh, some investment behind us, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Bill Simmons is going to buy us. One of these days. Yeah. You think Bill Simmons? <laughs> the ringer. AMC ne- money? I mean... James Spotify, Lop, AMC, Nokia. Didn't he get in on any of that? I don't know. Is that all the bars? I'm all. I'm all about GameStop. No, I did AMC <laughs> and Nokia. There you go. I did okay with AMC. Still have my Nokia. The theaters, the stock, but yes, the theaters. The TV show or the TV station? No, the theaters. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, all part of the GameStop. What in the GameStop mentions in that Reddit thread? Was it? What? I'm just fucking with you. Uh, it was. Oh, you said was it? There, there, so there was an interesting story about the GameStop. Thing. Yeah. There was this kid uh, works at Ace. I was uh, just chatting with him, and you know, I, I had mentioned, oh yeah, you know, I, I know he, you know, uh, goes to school in town there, and uh, I was like, you know, uh, oh you're still working here. You didn't make your your millions off of GameStop, and he's <laughs> like, no, but I did make thirty two hundred dollars this morning, and I was like, what? I was like, you're you're not serious. He's like, yeah, I, I saw it on, I saw it on uh, Reddit, and I thought, what the heck? I'll just throw. It. He's like, I threw five hundred bucks at it. I, he's like, I woke up this morning. This was yesterday. He's like, yeah. I woke up this morning and uh, <laughs> I saw that it was, you know, it was up to thirty eight hundred dollars. I had thirty eight hundred dollars worth. I sold out, and there I am. Hmm. I was like, son wow. of a bitch. Like Time this kid, everything. this kid working at Ace is <laughs> doing better with his investments than I am. Oh, love <laughs> so, it. So obviously Scottish, Scotch and, and single malts from Scotland are I'm, the vast majority of your collection. But as you said, part of every country that's making single malts is represented. Yeah. If you had to guess what country, not necessarily now, but five years from now, would be the second represented. Australia. Uh, and you don't have to say Australia just because Jake is here. <laughs> Honestly, American single malts are really coming on. I mean, it's it's coming on – I. It's. I guess there's so many variables to that. Like as far as if we're talking about volume, if we're talking about like qual, not not necessarily quality, but like the biggest up and comers. I mean, even production looking- of their own whiskey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the reason I asked you in particular, I'm fascinated, as you both know, by the single malt category. Are just, you? I have, yeah, you've heard it many times. Mm. Is Sagamore interested in making some single malt I whiskey? Don't, I don't think so. Okay. I think we'll stick with rye. Okay. But as a big Scotch fan. 
obviously accessibility and, and all that other stuff matters. I just taste profile and what, you know, as a spring break person, what would be next? Like, oh man, this stuff from Washington or Taiwan or, you know, Australia, like really heads those same notes to me. And, um, and I keep finding myself going that way. That's, that's what I'm. Yeah. I, I think that, so, you know, and I, again, I, I am unashamedly a Springbank fanboy. Um, I, and it's personal taste. I know a lot of people who I have, I taste out on stuff and they, they're just not interested and it's all, it's fine. Like there's nothing wrong. It doesn't mean they don't know anything about whiskey. It just means that that's not their thing and that's fine. But Springbank is a very unique thing in the world. Like there's not really any, I've had some things that have like, they're, they're kind of like a distant cousin almost. Sure. It could seem like, but, um, can you pinpoint it? What it is? It's, it's that, it's that diesely it's two stroke. Um, mm. if, if you guys rode dirt bikes or snowmobiles or mm. anything like that, you know, have a snowblower that, that has that two stroke, uh, sort of like oil gas mixture. Mm. It's that smell that's on you when you come back in the house. Yeah. It's that in liquid form along with the sweetness that just, and it's so balanced. Like mm. everything just balances everything else. It's that, you know, malty sweetness along with that. Um, it's, it's just such a interesting, interesting combination. Um, but no, just, you know, quick trip around the horn. I mean, uh, Japanese whiskey, once they get their uh, laws in order, mm-hmm. I think they're going to they, – they produce some great whiskey. But right now it's so Wild West that right, you don't right. know if you're actually drinking Japanese whiskey. Right, right. You know, you could be drinking Japanese whiskey. You could be drinking Ben Nevis. You don't right. know, yeah. uh, which isn't a bad thing because no. Ben Nevis is phenomenal. You guys can go ahead and uh, dig into that sample ben whenever Nevis. you want. Uh, yeah, I brought, brought a little independent bottling. It was, I think that was still back in like 96 or something. 92, but, I think? 92 there you go um i was six but uh you know tell you how old i was taiwanese that's uh they're they're doing great stuff at cavlin obviously but it's just so flavor packed that i almost feel like um you know the the spirit is being overwhelmed by Mm. just how aggressive a casks that they use and that's fine i mean some people love sherry bombs and if you like a sherry bomb it's hard to beat a cavlin um you know, Australia, the access. <laughs> the malt's being made in Australia. Just coffee liqueur. <laughs> Good point. The uh, the the access to wine barrels is just so fascinating. I think that there's just so much that can be done with that, and obviously, Starward is uh, a great example of it. I, uh, I I really I like what Starward does. The single barrels are phenomenal. The standard expressions I absolutely feel like it's hard to beat as as especially a summertime expression. Mm-hmm. I just feel like uh, it kills it. Um, Indian single malt right. is really good. They're doing great great work there. Right. Um, but I it it's. It seems like it's kind of stagnated, stagnated a little bit. It hasn't. They they haven't really done much to. Like, it's still really good. Yeah. It's just, what's next? Um, you know, American single malt. They're starting to come into their own. It's just finding that it's just balancing cask influence versus the in the rapid maturation environment with taking out what needs to be taken out. And I think that's what people are struggling with at the moment. It's just it stays a little astringent. That yeah. 
kind of is off-putting to people who have had single malts from more gentle maturation environments. And it's not to say that those other countries that you mentioned don't have diverse climates based on where you're located yeah. within those countries, but America, I mean, you're, if you're making single malt in Texas, it's a whole different story making single malt in Washington State. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but I think that what you said that the best thing was the balance um, what you find in Springbank is the balance you find in American single malts that make them very enjoyable. Yeah. If I can, I, I probably lean towards Bayside single malts is my favorite scotch category, if you will. And when I have American single malt, that's just refreshing in a way. And you find those chocolate notes to it and it has a nice balance of water and the proof is high enough where it's warm and crispy, but nothing overwhelming. That's when I love it. And I think like the Stranahan's and the Westwards and the Westlands are doing a really good job of curating these uh, these really great whiskeys. The problem is just where where the, where the category is going, how they're defining it, and price point too on some of them. Too. Yeah. It's, it's just that they're still small and it's still expensive, and they're using really great grain. They're using really great barrels, and they're crafting it really intrinsically. So it's going to have to drop up a higher price. I think the one of the key points there is defining it. Mm-hmm. I think um, once once we get the um, <clears throat> that American single malt category officially, like in you know in law, but it's going to be super loose on purpose. Yeah, and that's and that's totally fine. Right, it it would be nice to have parameters. Two years ago, any spirits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they're yeah. arguing I think on age and barrels. Barrels. Yeah, yeah. Like the, if those are new new barrels. And a minimum age statement? I think it was the two things they haven't been able to lock down. But they want it to be very inclusive, so they want it to be super loose. But then I worry it's too loose. Like, that's rum's problem, and that's Japanese whiskey's problem. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's so loose, the consumer doesn't know what to trust because you could be drinking an American single malt side by side, and they'd be completely opposite. That's American whiskey in general. Yeah, but yeah. I think if you're looking for something defined, yeah. you know what I mean? Like Scotch, we, we know what it's – there's a baseline, and then it's a region, and there's a baseline within the region, and then mm-hmm. there's an age statement and a baseline within the age statement. Right. If an American single malt can be anything from six months old made with sorghum – or I guess it would have to be malted whiskey, malted barley, but six months old made in Washington or 16 years old made in Miami. Well, that's not even defined either, the grain, which yeah, I, I guess it's not say. in Scotland technically, right? Uh, no, it's 100% malted barley. Is it 100%? Okay. 100% malted barley. Um, the, I, he, the, the thing that is that trips me up is talk of requiring new American oak barrels or charred American. Uh, that's, I don't get it. I, that's that right there. Why, why limit? Why pigeonhole that? Right. Because that is going to end up being a kind of a bottleneck in the whole system that's going to make everything I agree. hard to uh, differentiate. It's you like limit access to wine barrel. I mean, you limit a lot yeah. of access right away, too. And right. we have great things like that that are American. Right. So there's no reason to put that kind of bottleneck in. I mean, it's, that's just... It continues, you also could continue the heritage of American whiskey by taking barrels from down south and bringing them up to other parts of the country and using, mm-hmm. like, Booker's barrels in some of mm-hmm. these places, using some great Heaven Hill barrels and continuing them on instead of them going over to Scotland. Those are dirty little... Sorry, Calum. Sorry, Calum. I mean, Riverset Rye was looking at right here, but I mean, you could have someone bring it back. Like, okay, I'm going to bottle it, barrel it in Minnesota and let it ride down the Mississippi. Right. And yeah, it'll be a lot of marketing, but if there's something to it and it pulls out in Louisiana, it's like, hell yeah, we're going to bottle this. And it took however many days. You just described whiskey in 1795. Well, maybe you bring it back. I, I don't know. I'm very curious from a production and from a brand standpoint and then I'm just even more curious and it as as a, as a sales guy yeah. from the consumer standpoint is who 
who's drinking them? Are you drinking them in place of scotch? Yeah. Is it just hey, every once in a while I'll have one? Is there going to be, you know, the the the, the guy who was a IB, IPA guy who now wants the specific, you know, barley and the specific hops, and now he's a New England guy, and then he wants a double IPA, and will, will people make that progression and then forget? Oh yeah, I'll have a regular bourbon here and there, but now I'm a way into American single malt, or will it just be sort of an afterthought? Will there be people with 200 bottles in their collection a year from now that don't even know American single malt, let alone anything outside of Scotland single malt, is a thing? Right, yeah. and you go back to price point, too. As a buyer and a seller of whiskey, I can't fault you for going to buy a Glen Farkless 12 for $55 versus an American single malt or a Star Wars Nova. Like, I, I can't fault you for it. Like, it's a great whiskey. It's been made yes. for generation to generation for over 200 years. There's a reason why it exists for so long. Um, and it's something that American single malts, American categories, craft categories in general, when it comes to international brands, have to compete with and think about on a daily basis. Where do we fit in? How do we make itself different, different and differentiate the point where I will take this as a risk? Like Riverset, you said, 30 bucks? Okay, all day on a three- to four-year-old American whiskey? I'll try that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No problem there. That's not, if I don't like it, cool, I'll use it for cocktails. No, it's not, yeah. not an investment I'm worried about whatsoever. If it sits on my shelf for two years, it sits on my shelf for two years. But when you're going 50 and beyond, then it comes a question of where do I go? How do I spend my money properly? Especially if you didn't invest in GameStop. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it, it's opportunity cost. I yeah. mean, opportunity cost plays a big part of it. And let, let me throw this out there. Please. The um, So all of a sudden you've got American single malts that then they age in different barrels that, you know, because of some kind of stringent regulation that doesn't need to be there, uh, makes it not an American single malt. Well, then all of a sudden, what do they have to label it as? American whiskey. American whiskey, yeah. Along with falls every yeah. bourbon that didn't fall into bourbon right. categories and all this and that. And then what the hell is that category? And how does that? How does, how does your anything. rep in your giant liquor store explain that to somebody? Like, oh, it's oh, technically yeah. a single malt, but it's not American single malt. It's not scotch. It's this in between. Yeah. It's like in purgatory. Yeah. And, and how are they supposed to, yeah, how are they even supposed to keep that straight, let alone, if, even if they have a deep understanding yeah, of it, exactly. explain that. Right. <laughs> like, I, I'm thinking, like, yeah, I'm thinking of the best best sales rep you can possibly find in a store, and that's still confusing. Yeah. To, especially to explain to somebody who maybe isn't so familiar with all the categories. It would be exhausting. Oh. At the end of the day, you wouldn't even be able, you'd need, you'd need some good American single Welcome to our it. world. <laughs> but I do think it goes to what I've always thought my theory of with, with beer. I think a lot of spirits, beer it's going to happen and you guys would could speak to it better than me but because we're at the beer cellar right but hyper local hyper local hmm. you know hey what's i go out of town all the time hey what's what's the closest beer yep oh you know this is made in town this is made in town over soon it's going to be like i don't know ask ian why would i ask him he lives two blocks away and makes it <laughs> down the street like and then you go five miles over and i've said it before and it'll be somebody different right i think you'll start to maybe see that because we talked the, about how america could categorize based on regions right like yeah well there'll be aocs and like with wine and 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 then it will become like, hey, this Johnny Redcord's made right here in South Carolina, and and it's excellent for distilling this whiskey. Instead of American whiskey, it's now South Carolina whiskey or mm. Carolina's whiskey. And then we don't ever see it in Illinois. Maybe you do it at a specialty shop and really expensive, and you can get it, but it's not. But then you go down there, and it's on everybody's back bar, even more so than it would be now. I don't. It's really I don't know. It's exciting times because I think also you have to have a lot of producers start to realize not everybody's going to be the next bullet. Yeah. And if you're willing to be a good player in your region and a little bit of love outside and can find a way to make that financially sustainable mm -hmm. and keep making good product and, and, and meet demand, there's a win there. 
Yeah. But you have to, a lot of people go into it seeing what has happened with sales and, mm-hmm. and brands being sold and yeah, not necessarily get rich quick, but people turning quick profits. Um, and everyone wants to do that. And it's like, no, you're not. You know, we can go and buy Blockbuster stock tomorrow, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to stay the same GameStop ride. I have a, sub- yeah. I have a subreddit going on about Blockbuster tonight. <laughs> there it is. Well, I'm getting on each <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ro- oh, actually, we're using uh, Acorn. Robin Hood. Uh, yeah, nice. Um, but do purveyors have a responsibility to sell and market those small brands? Like everything we just talked about? Yeah, to the <clears> bank. I hope so. I mean, eventually, right? You can make awesome whiskey. Something you have to generate a profit. I mean, it goes into an. I mean, not to be jokingly at all, the analogy of what happened with GameStop as a, as a very small brand, a small IPO, like, and then you everybody hits it and it goes up. Now, if you don't inflate it on purpose, but you're just inflating brands by selling them, you know, hand selling, yeah, for customers to come in that want to know and be educated about it. But does it go beyond just a customer who comes in and who's intrigued by it? versus marketing out there by using social media and other platforms i it's i i it it depends on the time i mean during covid everyone just defaulted to what was comfortable Mm -hmm. um and you know as as a business you have to you have to you know supply that (laughs) like it's without without giving you know the the sazerac you know crowd what they want you know it's i mean do you they, have they the horse it. whiskey? The one with the <laughs> topper thing. Yeah. At least a couple times a day. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it, It's one of those things where, like, I, I love hand sell. I love being yeah. able to introduce people to something they had, they've walked by a hundred times on the shelf and um, just ended up passing by it, passing by it. Then they try it and they come back and say, holy cow, like, that is incredible i never would have bought that and then they're just they're there and it's there you know or hearing oh that's so much better than these ones that i've been defaulting to this whole time and then you know you're setting them up on their journey to find cool stuff um you know which is i mean that's the goal right there i mean it's for a place like us i mean that's what we're doing we're not you know i it's it's such a cool like i dave our owner dave holly he just he absolutely gives a lot of leash uh, you know, to me to bring in niche stuff like mm-hmm. that um, and to identify things that are just cool. And it's not going to be the fast movers, but mm. it's stuff that we can build, you know, kind of build a culture with where people can know to, you know, they can come here and find things that maybe they had never even heard of, maybe even never seen on social media. Because obviously social media is a huge driver, but, you know, there's some things coming down the pipes that, guaranteed 99% of the people who are, you know, nerds probably haven't even seen yet. And, um, to be able to have people that are that level of nerd that can come in, but also providing stuff that can kind of usher people into, you know, whatever stage of the journey they're in is cool. But the problem is with COVID we can't hand sell. So it's just hit a wall and then we have to default back to a lot of the, um, the movers just to survive you know i mean it's a it's a um what did dave say Sur- uh survive not thrive and <laughs> i mean that's what it is it's like um yeah it's 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 hard it's just really difficult and i'm i cannot wait to be able to get out there and just be face to face with people again and just 
talk to nerds because I'm a nerd and just <laughs> talk to people who want to be nerds or just don't even want to be, but just want to get something that tastes good. You know, it's yeah. like, it's just so much fun. And, and we get, we're missing out on all the fun right now because it's so. You lose a key stressful. aspect to what sets the beer cellar apart from mm. a lot of bars and, or a lot of shops because I can, I did it. I came in on a Sunday. Actually, I think you might've been working and I ran and left with several unplanned cases of beer because I had one. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's pretty good. And oh, it's okay. I got a six pack. And then another one. I bought a six pack. And then same with those spirits where it's like, hey, buy a dram. Because sometimes people aren't scared of the 50 bucks. Yeah. It's my wife's going to yell at me if I bring another bottle home <laughs> if I don't like it. Yep. Or where am I going to put another bottle that I don't like? And now I've got 735 milliliters of juice because the two, two sips I had I didn't like that are going to sit on my shelf until. I pawn it off on somebody. Yeah. You know, some people spend whatever money. It's just they're, they're scared of the volume commitment. So you have that nice yeah. non-COVID time where for 8 to 12 bucks, I can get a, 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 an experience, not just a taste, not just a, like Jake and I do at the stores where they get one ounce in front of a stranger, then they go to, on their day. They didn't expect to it. They can have a full-on dram experience. Yeah. Um, try it as it opens up. Warm it, you know, swirl it, whatever it is they do in a cocktail. And then you know, confidently make that purchase, which I imagine helps you hand sell even to a, to a different level than, than a lot of other stores where they're doing it dry or, or through guys like us. Yeah, absolutely. And like Brett, you nailed it. It's, I mean, just that face to face that we haven't been able to have and, um, you know, not being able to come in and have that dram. It's just been just such a killer. And, um, obviously like this, the whole point of what we're doing, um, you know, it's, it's just to deliver stuff like that to a different market, something cool, something, uh, you know, that kind of cuts through some of the bullshit and, you know, gets rid of some of the stuff that we don't, um, you know, the, 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 the marketing, just cutting through some of the marketing, just having good curated stuff mm. that anyone who walks in can find stuff that they appreciate. And it's, um, Oh man, better times ahead, man. We are sure. close. We are close. I cannot wait. But it is, and there's a whole new marketing system. I, I don't think I, I don't want to talk about myself, but like I don't think those those bottles, those barrels would have sold um, without social media marketing, without having Instagram, without having that communication on there directly. Where um, it was something that people wanted, are looking for, they couldn't find it. And then all of a sudden there's a new outlet for it and it's promoted through social media and then it's gone like that. And that's what you're hoping for with every brand. I mean, it's, it's what we're all kind of stuck to at this point and you see it becoming more alive. I've seen it becoming more alive in the last two weeks to a month than I have the last 16 months probably or so, even, yeah. even during COVID where people, I think it's these whiskey groups that are forming more and more on a daily basis. And there's some that are committing to it versus ones that are like, Hey, we have a Facebook page and we kind of hang out versus the ones that are like, Hey, we, we, we can't go to the bar anymore. We can't have this experience. We can't come over to those houses and drink. So this is our way of connecting with one another. And can we do it through your whiskey as that vehicle, which is important for us as smaller brands mm -hmm. and yeah. big brands too. I mean, I, I see it. I hear about it from people that work from large for larger distilleries about, how it's still so functional to have that interface and liquid to lips in a new possible way um, and reaching out in all these, um, I mean, various dimensions of, you know, getting sample kits out there and having people go buy bottles themselves. And then you join a, a master a blender or a master distiller on a tasting and call into the Zoom or going on Instagram TV, whatever you can do to make sure that people are having a fun 
educational interaction while sipping your whiskey. It's still so key. And yeah, and it's it's we we just had our first uh, virtual tasting with uh, Adam Spiegel, Jamie Duffy, and Sonoma. Ooh, one um, of our favorites. We know her. Yeah, just you know, Jamie's obviously great people. I I absolutely love you know bouncing stuff. She's so knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and just did such a good job of... Oh, she was supposed to be here, by the way. She bailed on us. Oh, I forgot to, to tell you guys that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, uh, did you tell her I'd be here? I did. I did. I did. That you know? explains it. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Well, Supposedly her parents bought a new house and they wanted to go have a little house gathering. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah. The, uh, it, you know, uh, that, that tasting was amazing. And, and it, it's so cool to be able to bring people into the distilleries yeah like that's what's you know if we're taking positives out of this it's that um and we've been able to manage in the tastings that we have coming up in the uh you know the that tasting in particular uh it's not uh you know talking it's not them coming on and talking to me right who um you know is a an experienced enthusiast but i you know I feel more comfortable bringing people along to like, hey, let's talk to the owner. Let's talk to the CEO. Let's talk to the founder. Let's talk right. to the master distiller. Uh, take, you know, t- show us around. Give us the inside scoop. Like I can, I can read a book and talk about it all day, but what the, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like my, what I say, I'm, I'm just a guy, you know, I'm just a fellow enthusiast. Mm-hmm. So taking it to the people and no matter where they're at in the world, we can figure out a way to get, you know, to get them on if we have a good relationship with them, which luckily we have a good relationship with a decent amount of distilleries. And um, we're going to be able to deliver some cool stuff, including February 10th with Starward, which I'm really looking forward Ooh, to. I need so. to put that on the calendar. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you, if you hear somebody like Adam, his 10 year story with the brand, you fall in love oh, with it. Absolutely. Not be, Not because it's not even the whiskey. It's just yeah. the passion behind it, the dedication he put into it, risking everything, and then bringing in these innovative efforts too to make some really, really tasting whiskey, and Absolutely. not using unique as just a uh, umbrella statement out there. He truly is creating a unique American whiskey with what he's doing about how um, uh, smoking his whiskey with local, with everything local in that area of Northern California. And it puts you in a position as a buyer or as a buyer or somebody who's looking for something new. Like I want to go out there and support this guy and this, yep. this brand because he's doing it all himself, essentially. I mean, yeah. we know Jamie's not doing anything out there. Right? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, she's one of the best, one of the best she out there to sell whiskey. Is, yeah, she taught me everything I know. <laughs> that explains and, it. And Marty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It, uh, there that those are the kind of places that I that absolutely have a place on on the shelf here. I mean we don't we have limited shelf space for spirits. Um and I want to make sure there's a curated selection and I'm not saying that everyone's going to love every whiskey that's there, but every every whiskey that, you know, the long long game here that we are going to have is going to be there for a very very specific reason. And um you know, every everyone should be able to trust that and if I'm, you know, if they, if they come to me and ask why why is this here, or why I could talk ad nauseum and probably chase them out of the store with with going into just painful detail, um, but that's Adam, you know, and his story. That's you know D- Dave's story, which I'm looking forward to uh, hearing even more in depth down in 
Australia. It's all a lie. He's in his his uh, path to creating the largest Australian distillery of what last I knew there was like what one nineteen or so down there. Something like that. I think like, it's yeah. probably grown since then. That was a while back. I think but. it's like one hundred and twenty five whiskey distilleries, yeah. two hundred plus distilleries overall. Is there that many? Now? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's a shit ton down there. What's uh, twenty three, twenty five hundred. America? Yeah. I think it's 30, 32 last I read. It's overall, right? Whis- overall, whiskey's right. like thir- 23, oh, 22. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I always forget. Um, which is weird because we had like almost 5,000 in, in like the late 1800s. <laughs> yeah. But granted, how much of those were authenticated and everything like that. So, <laughs> um, no, it is it, the personal story. And then, you know, us talking to people about that as brand representatives is everything that keep us surviving, too, at this moment when we can. But, you know, we don't want to be too gregarious in our approach and step into a place when people are a little uneasy about talking to a lot of people, having too many people inside of their stores and bars um, that are open at this point, too. But one thing is about edu- like being an educated person where you can talk somebody's ear off for over an hour about each individual brand. That's kind of how I feel like our friendship started um, with Scotchman Whiskey Society when you're, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I work for Star Wars. And you're like, you started rattling off all this stuff about Star Wars. And I'm like, you're like the first person I've ever met that even <laughs> you know, knew uh, anything more than that we uh, existed pretty much. Like, how did how did you start finding whiskeys from all over the world? And why, did, I mean, you said you're a history major and we've, you and I have personally talked about all that too because I was a I was a history minor right if you didn't know yeah, yeah. Um, accidentally got that degree yeah uh, yes uh, but I'm sure that has a lot to do with play with it wanting to know the in-depth uh, analysis of every brand when it comes to wanting to know the in-depth analysis of how culture and history has developed to where we currently are in 2021 yeah um, definitely plays plays into you know it, it's it's just a just like a insatiable curiosity mm. and whiskey in general especially but you know that branches off to other spirits but but my my love is always my main love is always whiskey but um yeah the the scotch malt whiskey society events it was one of those you know obviously you meet a ton of people through there but like it it was one of those not to not to toot your horn you know too hard on this but like when uh when i'd go to those events it was always it, it always was like all right, I hope Jake's here because like we just plug ourselves into a table and we yeah. were just like, you know, total lack of pretentiousness, which tends mm-hmm. to kind of come around sometimes in, yeah. in in the industry in general. Oh but, yeah, um, and just kind of dig in and see what we think about certain things. And I always appreciate your opinion. You've got an amazing nose and palate. So um, it was, and then that just developed very quickly into a friendship. So that's. Uh, you know that that was always a blast, but yeah, um, fifty dollars to hang out with your friends. Yeah, basically. Which, <laughs> but you're was, trying like twenty eight year old whiskey too. Yeah, 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 that's that does help. And Ben is know? Ben is very gracious to the poor. So. But yeah, yes, yeah, and Ben always puts on a good good uh, good show there. So looking forward to actually looking forward to that getting kicked back off. Yeah, I think because uh, we used to meet mostly at Delilah's yep. as a group. Um, Mike Miller and I were talking about putting together a Chicago Drammers club. So yeah, yeah, keep me keep me posted. On yeah, that. definitely, Charlie. <laughs> if you're listening out there, who started Drammers, um, we definitely want that to get going because it's it's ridiculous. That there's not a Chicago chapter of Drammers. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I take agree. full responsibility for that. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, there's. Is that the, the only club you belong to? Uh. Yeah, because honestly, and it's I don't want to sound too like anti-establishment, but I fucking hate clubs. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's I tough. I love people. Yeah. I love interacting with curious people, 
but I feel like very quickly, once you align too hard with something, it becomes like a group think thing and you're, you lose your independence on, uh, I mean, whether you know it or not, right. I mean, there's influence there. Well, that's a great thing about Scott Schwartzky's society. The barrel picks come to you on, yeah. a, on a bodily, on a bottle basis on each, every meetup or whatever it may be versus like people trying to go out there and search for something and then like one person or like a, you know a small little leadership council if you will is the ones establishing what you're going to drink essentially yeah and 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 i love ben's front ben dietrich by the way uh i don't know if we mentioned but yeah uh, handsome man single malt alliance did oh we, yeah yeah on instagram uh he uh the way he does it blind is just mm. phenomenal uh, blind tastings are incredible because it just it strips away all the nonsense and it's just what do you what do you think you know what do you think about this do you like it do you hate it what do you like what do you hate um you know what are you finding in it and then it's always a nice little surprise at the end you know they're not putting a 30 year old mccallan in front of you and all of a sudden you've got this like marketing mystique hanging over your head right and then you it clouds everything about how that tastes um, and I, I just, I really dig that format. I like that. That's the way that he does it. And we're looking at doing some similar stuff. We got to find, you know, figure out the best ways to go about it within the law. Um, <laughs> but you know, doing more blind stuff, because I think that's just such a nice way to get people talking. Yeah. I wish we could do it more as a brand when it comes to doing tastings with groups, Yeah, but it's hard when it, I think it's hard for, I guess, my brand being an Australian brand and a single malt brand or even a world of whiskey brand where like, I can number them one, two, three, four, and then say, oh, what do you think they are? Well, it's, we're known for single malts. And then no one's going to guess that twofold is wheat and malted barley because nobody else in the world is really doing that. And yeah. it's it, like, maybe it's a bourbon. Like, well, it's made in Australia, so it's not a bourbon. I mean, they, all you have to do is Google uh, Star Wars once and you figure out where it's from. Um, it'd be awesome if you could do that where only like, you know, the group leader, uh, leadership knew what you were actually tasting. And then 20 other members were like, I, I don't, don't Google anything. This is where we are. Um, here's four samples. We're going to have a brand ambassador come on to lead it. We're not even going to say where he or she is from. That'd be amazing. I just don't know if you could actually pull, pull it off. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. See that kind of thing. It's, it's like absolutely. Yeah. And the... I'm pulling directly from experience last night where there's whiskey, mostly a bourbon and rye club, Few single malt drinkers, few Scotch drinkers in there. Loved our barrel, our um, our barrel pick that I sent a sample of, and Solera, and didn't really. It was like fifty fifty on twofold, fifty fifty on Nova, and I'm like, if you wouldn't have known twofold was a, was an Australian whiskey, would would you think it's a bourbon instead? Would you think it's a bourbon finished in a like a sherry cask or something like that? What would you What would you be hesitant about by saying you don't like it? Because I figure like as a bourbon club, you would probably enjoy that one the most. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean that's I mean in my experience having people taste but they were, it. But then again, they were drink they're drinking your barrel curation, so uh <laughs> they love that one the most. That oh, that one is just that one I'm in love with that one. It is just phenomenal. Um the uh our our single cask, the uh We don't have a name for it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, no name. It, it would have ended up as uh I guess as, it's the women who whiskey pick. <laughs> yep, the uh Oh, it's Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. Star Wars, Women Who Whiskey, Single Barrel. Yeah, uh, I that was out of here. We curated. we curated uh, at the beer cellar some of it. Uh, we what do we have right now? Two? No, we have four out. Yeah. Um, really? What if my so, friend that works for Star Wars would buy me one? Maybe. Lucky. 
But yeah, it's uh, we ran out uh, very quickly here. I think we still have a decent amount at Glen Ellen, um, but at, at Geneva we ran out. Uh, we just re-upped on some, so uh, we've got some available. Hopefully, we still have some available by the time of the tasting if people want to, you know, snag those. But um, let's just... get off Star Wars. Get off Star Wars. <laughs> no more Star Wars, Brett. It's a fun ride. Yeah, uh, that's no, but like, what do you, what do your do you have plans to do barrel picks? I mean, you have one coming out, right? Yeah, we've we have a phenomenal Elijah Craig pick coming down the pipe. So it's just a big question on when it's going to get here. We did the pick a long time ago, it's, it's and we not the been... giant Elijah Craig bottle in front of us right now. Is no, it? it's not. No, that's that's the old standard. <laughs> um, but the small batch. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's just great. I I think that it's it's one of those that almost. Um, since it's fresh in my mind, it kind of hits like that single barrel um, Star Wars in the sense that it there are elements of it that appeal to um, single malt drinkers for sure. Um, it, there's elements of it that appeal to um, you know American whiskey bourbon people, of course, because it is a bourbon, um, and, it, and it's. It's got this floral uh, sense to it that actually could get some rye lovers involved in it too. So, it's uh, there's just not much not to love about this pick, and I cannot wait for it to get here. Um, I will be snagging three bottles before, uh, you know, before anyone really gets a chance. So, <laughs> but, you, uh, how important do you think single barrels are for the future? Uh very. I, I, it's I, crazy. I know it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, Everyone's out there buying them. Yeah. And you almost feel like if you don't get to a, a group or a retail store fast enough, you're just not going to get your chance. Well, that's just it. I mean, um, we we have some things. We have some things in the works I absolutely 100% cannot talk about Ooh. right now. But we have, uh, you know. It's Sagamore, isn't it? <laughs> you can't talk it's, about it. <laughs> it's It's, you know, definitely big for us because, and again, for us, it's the curiosity of um, – it's the curiosity of having uh, something that is is very different and something to explore, something to that for to make people think. Some of yeah. these folks who are really into that that exploration part of it, uh, but also, you know, if you if you're not putting a single barrel out on the shelf, what's differentiating, especially in the Chicago market? Yeah. I mean, we have a ton of competition here. Yeah. It's just shocking amounts of competition, um, but. The uh, for you guys for brands, I feel like it's even more important right now to have you know a, sing- a barrel program because yeah. I mean at least there's always going to be people coming in buying the off the shelf stuff with us, but I, I think that like that's what really gives you guys a chance to highlight your brands. I agree. Uh, do you know Nate Woodruff Whiskey with a View on Instagram? Uh, yeah. So the year-long road trip, he's starting his own barrel program. Um, which is pretty cool. And he put it yesterday out, I think on Facebook that he was starting this and I saw it like 10 minutes after he posted it and text him immediately. And then we started a full on conversation about his barrel program. And I'm like, Hey, you're somebody I respect a lot in the whiskey world. I respect like what you, what you put out there and everything that you're doing. Um, it's an adventure. Life, life is a total adventure to him. And I, used to kind of live my life like that. Then I got married and, you know, whatever. Uh, things happened. And oh, I'm just joking. Hello to the executive producer. Yes. yes <laughs> right. Good thing she doesn't listen. She just edits. <laughs> um, no, she's moving me to New York. That's a whole different story. Um, but 
yeah, I was like, well, I would love to do a single belt program with a person like him. And, you know, I, I text him right away. We got it going. The conversation's going from there. And I'm thinking like, there had to be like a hundred brands that hit him up right away. I, I would think so within at least 24 hours because yeah. he has a, such a popular following on Instagram. And, but, and you're just so scared to miss those opportunities. I mean, I was even talking to a buyer earlier today. And I was like, hey, you're still interested in trying some barrel barrel samples that just got them in? He's like, yeah, 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 but... I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And he's like, he's like, oh, I just want to make sure everybody's here um, and not just me tasting. I'm like, okay, I thought you were going to say you've already bought like 10. Yeah, and, well, my money's tied Yeah, up. <laughs> yeah. So, but you, you, you're so scared of every single word. You're just sitting on it and waiting like, oh, are you going to say yes? Are you going to say no? And then you want to go back to the well of some other people and be like, hey, do you want to buy another barrel? And I know your first one's doing well. It's still on the shelves, but like, it'll be gone by July, you know, and <laughs> we can get something else out there on the shelf for you too. And you're almost, uh, I don't say you're at the behest of anybody to sell barrels, but it's such an important element right now in the whiskey world because it showcases and highlights something great about your whiskey. And, but you also don't want it to be too good where it outshines your regular core products and people forget, or people don't understand like this isn't in every single offering yeah. and it's technically, yes, it's allocated. Um, and you can't get it all the time, but that's it. I hope that would that would spark the interest of that buyer to go buy your other core offerings too. I'd be curious how many barrel picks, and we're goofy because we know people in trade and, yeah. and have access to a lot of stuff. But how many barrel picks do you own where you at least don't own the core? At least one. So, like for Sagamore, you at least have signature and then yeah. a barrel pick. How many just have? We have one in. You only have barrel picks. We have one in the U.S. A store, yeah. Who? We have one store in the U.S. that only has a barrel pick of us. I meant you as individuals, right? But oh, oh, like, oh, 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 like, oh, because I think that's the argument. Is is okay? Great, I got a barrel of Sagamore sold into beer seller, but he doesn't carry anything else, or maybe he carries signature. He's going to sell thirty-four six packs of this barrel pick. Yeah, yeah. Five bottles of maybe my signature, and then he's on to that limited shelf space, right? So now it's a Starward barrel, right? And maybe twofold. Or Nova, and then are we building a brand? Are we hurting a brand? I don't right. know the answers. Like, and I think for every brand, it's different. I have one bottle at home, a brand that I have only a barrel pick of, and I never even heard about them until I saw the barrel pick. I don't even know if I've seen it. the store I bought it at. They only have their barrel pick. Who's that? Bull Run, the whiskey. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've only seen barrel picks. I don't know if they even have anything other than barrel picks. Yeah, there are yeah. some out there that are similar to that. So um, yeah, yeah. It's, so maybe I'm not. I, I would buy another barrel. I mean, I know, it's, but so I'm having a very hard time recently. After I tried some Jepson's Malort bourbon, mm. and uh, my Amazing whole value. like mind is now transformed or diluted or just going in a whole different direction when it comes to source whiskey, and if you aren't doing something cool with the whiskey once like you guys are doing with like your your finishes and everything like that then what's the point of sourcing whiskey when when one of the nastiest tasting spirits out there can put their label in front of some really delicious bourbon <laughs> for $35 yeah. and so like puts like bull run they use ex cab barrels in local mm-hmm. wineries in Portland using this 13 year old light whiskey from MGP I'm like yeah it's great I would try it but if you're just buying other source whiskey and putting your label in front of it and not doing anything with it, then I, and I don't really care. Yeah, exactly. In, unless, yeah, I mean, personally, as a value shopper and you know, whiskey fanatic, the uh, there there is a draw to to some if they put a low enough price tag on that. Oh, if it's yeah, a cast yeah, strength yeah, yeah. MGP or right, something like right, that. Yeah. Right, right. Oh yeah, I'm in. Eleven year old um, cast strength MGP. <laughs> yeah. Thirty two ninety nine. Exactly. Oh, okay. Why not? Got a case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, it's. Uh, 
you know, I, I fully agree, and I always have a bias. I have I have an internal bias towards people who are making their own juice and doing it well. Yeah. Um, but that's the key point, doing it well. Yeah, exactly, but that's just it too. I mean, there's a lot of folks who kind of are on their own journey at the distillery and they're, you know, maybe because of financial constraints, they're having to release something a little too young or, um, Sonoma is a great example going from yeah. 35 gallon or 30 gallon to 53s. What did, I mean, good stuff to begin with, but game changer now that he's into 53 yeah. in my opinion. I mean, journeyman, a company we all respect and enjoy. It's like, yeah. they, they are just switching over to 53 gallons for 10, 11 years 12 years whatever how long it's been yeah well so so many are i mean we brett we talked about this the other day um it's now that all these american distilleries are these craft you know distilleries are coming on and and they're hitting this you know well-aged 53 gallon barrel juice we're really starting to see what's coming we're Mm -hmm. really starting to see what they're uh, all grown up form is, and some of it is really damn good. Uh, yeah. You know, Whiskey Acres, holy cow. Now, with their 53-gallon stuff coming out, I am uh, a huge fan of what they're doing. I mean, it's just incredible, um, some of the new juice coming out of there. Uh, they're just doing a fantastic job, and it's it's across the board. I'm so excited for the next couple of years in American Whiskey. Um, and just seeing what some of these brands can do. Yeah. And Mikey and Josh were talking about that on Instagram Live the other night uh, about how with Riverset, there's this there's craft distillery finally oh, yeah. finally growing up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's starting to compete with these other brands that are making four, six, eight year old, even nine year old whiskey to this point, which is exciting times. It because better whiskey, more better whiskey in the market. Everybody, it's a win win situation. Mo better whiskey. Key in the Lake next T-shirt. Mo better whiskey. Mo better whiskey. Damn. Mo better booze. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Also, I call my first barrel pick Mo better whiskey by Key in the Lake. Nice. Oh man, sign me from, up for one. From from Sagamore. To do Maryland Rye with that, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Mo better Maryland Rye. Oh. Key in the Lake barrel pick one. Can we get T-shirts? We'll, we'll figure something out. I don't want maroon. Okay. It's I not do maroon. It's some very. Can I get an Under Armour um, three quarter sleeve? quarterback t-shirt made of that we'll see i'll make a few phone calls we'll figure it out uh brad smith formerly of Missouri? Quarter- yeah yeah he's i thought i feel like he should be <sighs> this like he was the first one i think to wear the three-quarter sleeve shirt i don't know if he cut it himself but he should have a patent on it long yeah. time ago i'm gonna have to speak with your uh with under armor about that when i played baseball i played without a right sleeve but then a long sleeve on my left you're arm. so dope a long time ago that's 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 early well that's awesome <laughs> that was that's a pretty early on adopter of that yeah didn't <laughs> didn't catch on <laughs> until about 2007 with brad smith no oh, it, yeah, people started wearing that i feel like quarterbacks were the first one to start oh, wearing yeah, started to yeah. Pull that up. Yeah. yeah and then baseball players too and they, then they have giant shoulder pads around their elbows you should add in this all the sports talk is in one segment and then mm. all the whiskey talk is in <laughs> another how do you feel about doing some keen like premier league I'm in. I'm an Everton guy. I know you are, Brett. Just like you, but you, they're not Chong anymore, so I got to get new gear, a new kit. Mm-hmm. Kazoo. That what it is now, Kazoo? Yeah, it's a car service in Europe. Okay. Yeah. Back to single barrels. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you guys have partnership plans with your EC barrel pick? Like with, uh, what do you got, Pollyanna's in St. Charles and Lamont, and you got Noon Whistle is up in Lombard and Naperville. You got Law... What's it called? Law attorney. You got one on tap. Oh, we got our history. 
Art history. Yeah. Art history. Close. Well, uh, I heard same difference. As far as the barrel itself. Yeah, like are you going to send one to anybody and uh, have them mess around? Well, this this particular barrel pick we did in conjunction with Common Good. So, oh, nice. Um, yeah, we're still figuring out what's happening with the barrel. But, yeah, we honestly, for the future, we're looking at a lot of that. Um, which is going to be a really cool little sidecar, you know, to be able to uh, have your have your single barrel whiskey of of whatever type and brand uh, sidecar with a with a local beer that was aged in in that barrel. I mean, it's just such a cool, you know, it's it's not like nobody's doing it, but we're just really excited to be able to do that kind of thing. And you uh, have so many options within. 30 to 45 minutes Absolutely. too it's not like you've got to drive all the way to the city or all the way out to rockford or something i mean especially if you bring glen ellen mm-hmm. there's 10 15 options right there and i'm yeah and they're small enough that you don't have to go through some conglomerate and a bunch of attorneys and trademark lawyers and things like that it's yeah. like hey yeah. i got a barrel it's wet you want to put a stout in it you want to put xyz in it like let's see what it tastes like in 90 days and if it's good i got a place to pour it and, and so and, do you. And Dave and Matt have so many great relationships with breweries around here. I mean, I am very much a beer novice. I'm here as a one-trick pony. I'm all mm. spirits. But um, those guys, oh, my gosh. Like, they, their, their contacts in the industry, I mean, it's just – it's going to be really cool what we're going to be able to do with some of these barrels. I'm super excited to try it mm-hmm. um, and, you know, explore explore more beer than I ever probably have in my life. So, um yeah, really, really cool things going forward with that. So oh, that'd be fun. Those are cool. Yeah. We need partnerships. I agree. And we can kind of close on this conversation, too. I know it's something we've all been talking about, and I know Callum really wants to talk about it once he's off suspension. Um, but is how everything's transitioning to this whole virtual platform and tastings and conversations through there. I feel like there's a certain etiquette that consumers should be able to develop when doing this and, and this interaction with distilleries and not asking too much from the brands and be other people know, like, I know we are here to help service ourselves because it's all we can really do right now when it comes to one-on-one interaction. But I feel like those people that are a part of the tasting or organizing the tastings, when you give a brands, give you an inch, you shouldn't take a mile. And yeah. I feel like we've all kind of been experienced that in certain ways, or it's about letting, letting the brand showcase itself, instead of like your knowledge of whiskey too um do you think that's gonna be a major play even after covid it's kind of developing this whole virtual etiquette like we go to these bring it back to a real world example or a personal person-to-person interaction is back at whiskey tastings and whiskey events you have like people come drunk to you and just kind of be very rude to you about your whiskey sometimes or be like pour me i'm in line next like no that person's actually been waiting here for three minutes i'm talking to you individually for two to three minutes about my brand i'm not here just to pour you whiskey and give you shots yeah and I would say 75 to 80% of people usually at events are pretty good. And then there's maybe a little bit higher, maybe a little bit lower. I think the ratio changes as the night goes on. <laughs> right, right, right. And depending on <laughs> what it starts, 90, 10. And city to city as well. <laughs> 60, 40. City uh, to city. Uh, yeah, but it, I think there's a new etiquette to be developed when it comes to consumer bases. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the. Uh, I, I'm just, yeah, sorry if no. I'm flying off here, but I, I'm just Do so it. interested to see how virtual sustains after we're through this because i think there is a definite place for it be a fool to go away from it yeah absolutely well, i think the next part too is starting to see multi-brand is take that oh, yeah instead of whiskey night that, and whatever that was our grab- initial idea with these tastings was to do mm, absolutely that was i mean you and i and jamie right. to do and ian was to do a, an experience like that and that was the very first person personal interaction we had in-person interaction we had at fountainhead back in august, august? yeah yeah i mean like I, it's. I mean, 
we we want to grow together. I mean, I, I, we we know that as brands, as brand representatives, like we can't just be out there by ourselves right now doing it. And you need to help other brands. You want you want and you want good whiskey paired together. Like you want it all to be brought together. And I think the connection's more when you're in someone's living room or mm. their office or their porch versus they're walking around. And how many times do you have someone that you're in a good conversation, but clearly there's a line. So they're they're they okay, thanks. And it's like, oh man, I was yeah. enjoying talking to that person. But I've, yeah. it's inevitable. There's just too many people I have to pour. You have to move on, yeah. et cetera. Where if you've got 20 to 30 and it's you get 20 minutes, I get 20 minutes, you get 20 minutes, and then there's kind of an open stick around or leave, whatever you want. Yeah. But I'm on my deck having a cigar, and mm. it's a much more intimate, meaningful interaction that I think would be a lot longer lasting as opposed to what we're going to see as events come back. Yeah, I I'm agree. also curious what the appetite for events is because – for a long time, that was really your only, unless you went to a distiller dinner or you went to a, a pairing of some sort. Yeah. Tour, maybe, if it's a good tour. Yeah, but that was really your best interaction. Where now, I mean, I'm not saying no. I'm happy. I'll do them with myself. I'll do, <laughs> I go to a bunch of them on my own. You and I keep pumping into it to each other in a bunch of them. And, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to do them with, with customers or individuals. Or We had somebody do one with a real estate office recently um, just because that was something to do with their client, you know, their, their as a thank you to their customers. Yeah. And, um, so I think I've dedicated, and I've told you this, I'm making a commitment to keep them going. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to use your GameStop money to come up with the mm. Princess Leia um, Wilson, hologram. Wilson's Love money. that idea. Because right. that, that's got to be next, right? It's like they're on the, your yeah. keyboard talking and interacting <laughs> versus staring at a screen. That can't be that far if they had in Star Wars in 1979 or it's true. Help you know? me, Brett. You're my only. I hope. mean, she kept repeating. You got to be able. To, <laughs> was, we have a Tupac it, hologram. Isn't Tupac was, technology there? It was seventy-seven, by the way. That's seventy-nine eighty-one. I thought. I thought it was seventy-seven eighty eighty-three. All right, I'll have to check. Maybe I don't know. Who knows? Um, some of us were alive for it. Yeah. Some of us weren't. <laughs> some of us weren't. Well, Luke's back. Is he? Oh, I don't want to spoil that for anybody. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, Sorry about that. To any <laughs> Star Wars fans who have not watched The Mandalorian yet. Uh, uh, I need to borrow your Disney Plus hmm. so I can watch it. I borrow it from Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I, I agree with the personal, with having the uh, the co-brands on something. We did Sunday Night Fights with uh, Chris and Mikey. Mm-hmm. It was really cool to see people it talking cool. about two different brands and we partnered up with them and helped the, get the tasting kits out for everything like that. And then Callum and I were sitting in the chat and just, you know, responding back to people and providing feedback. And, and then, uh, obviously Chris and Mikey do an awesome job about being fair to anything they ever taste. And they talk about, um, obviously they're great palates and great dudes to, to go along with it. But then off, off of that, the branch of it kind of was, I had, two whiskey tastings going out of that with some pretty big groups um people just dm me afterwards like hey i really enjoy this do you ever do big whiskey group tastings and mm-hmm. like 100 percent, that's what we're focusing our attention to right now virtually um when it comes to tasting out people and tasting out our brand and talking with people and trying to get, trying to get that interaction back but I, I think the flow of with multiple brands is pretty nice we've done quite a few um at, on a larger scale as a brand working with these doing these like world whiskey road shows and then help having people um, like Charlie from Drammers kind of host them mm-hmm. and then bring in people from his network or writers, things like that. Yeah. But I would love to do it too with like just like, like a retail shop, like with you guys. And like, you know, if Brett and I show our beautiful faces on a screen and talk about some beautiful whiskey, what's the loss? What's well, the even post COVID, we can do it from here, but you can virtually. So all yeah. we can yeah. buy and get a bottle, get the cocktail to go, whatever, whatever the setup is. Um, and then if you can be here Friday, great. We got room for, for 12 of you. 
Yeah. But 50 of you are open to, to join and whatever the nominal fee is, but they get something out of it. Mm-hmm. They get that awesome shirt or, or whatever the case might be. Ooh. And um, I think, I mean, again, it's funny just as history majors, I was going to say earlier, I mean, spirits, beverage, whether it be beer with monks mm-hmm. or, or, or mead, alcohol has been a part of everything all as ever long as there's been society right, right. yeah i mean the royal navy and their influence on spirits alone is, is mind-blowing yeah. um when you stop and look at roses lime juice and naval strength jid and all those sorts of things and yeah we're in a historic moment with covid and, and technology and all that but i think we're it's also bleeds into our category mm-hmm. not just with single malts but now with virtual tastings with um these groups forming and this different social it's a shift and i, I think a lot of it's going to be permanent mm-hmm. even post yeah. post COVID and, and maybe it forced the I think a lot of it was coming anyway. I think COVID might have put the, the yeah pushed the gas pedal a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you know, now everybody has a computer with a, a phone in their pocket. They have a, a microphone and a video. Yeah. And like what if that group of like twenty five people can reach, you know, fifty thousand people through their followers and they all take a picture of your bottle and put it on Instagram, yeah. put it on Facebook. Like, yeah. well, that's just instant reach right there. Yep. And as you were saying, like every every small town that was ever developed in, you know, especially here in the United States, they had a courthouse, a church, and a bar. Yep. So it's the yep. longevity that will definitely stay there. Um, guys, I think it's a good place to end. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, thanks for we bringing have, these scotch had, samples. The second one was Ed, Edredor, right? Yeah. We had, I, I run, really like that. Yeah, the Edredor is phenomenal. That's yeah. a Madeira cask finish. Oh. Um, uh, actually, no. Sorry, Madeira cast maturation. I believe. Yeah, I think. Um, and yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, but well, Ian, as always, thank you for your time. Yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, coming in. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, keep an eye on the social media for the beer seller, uh, beer seller Geneva, beer seller Glen Ellen. Um, it's see about TB the- TB seller. Yep. Yeah. TBC Geneva, TBC Glen Ellen. Yeah, that's get some beer tips from Dave. Absolutely. He does it better than me. I got to learn. Awesome. Anything you need to promote? Friday, Friday. Just keep drinking. Just keep drinking rye. That's all we can do at this point, right? Keep, uh, keep an eye out for um, uh, about a month from our newest LTO, um, a tequila finish that uh, has been test marketed um, in a market or two, but will be going widespread here pretty soon. Nice. Um, so outside of that, no, thanks for all the support. Thanks for having me co-host. Yeah. Um, sorry. sorry that Matt and um, Calum are both still suspended. Wilson and Matt Brown. Oh, Calum Matt Brown. Oh, suspended. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wilson is still. Matt, in- Matt Brown just banned. Oh, banned. All right, good. <laughs> I'm surprised I'm not banned. He's the president of the Tony Blum fan club. I uh, <laughs> official Tony Blum fan club. I'll get you a sticker of his. <laughs> Unless you already have one. He has. Sti- I don't. He actually. has stickers now. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, no, that's, a, that's awesome. I uh, appreciate it too. And kind of ending on our conversation, we are actually planning for our two year anniversary, which is coming up in a little less than a month uh, as a giveaway. Cal and I are talking about doing uh, a blind tasting of Abelauer, Star Ward, and Union Horse for about 10 lucky people that could win a little gift prize. And then we would do a little Zoom call maybe and uh, nice. hang out and taste some whiskey blindly and see what you all think. So uh, stay to co host it. Have four expressions <laughs> available. Nineteen. Well, you're close. You I got look, good swag. I think you're at seventeen and a half. All right, what are you doing next week? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. What that, keep your uh, eyes. Two years uh, already. Good for you. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. We I don't know why we keep doing it, but we do. It's fun times. Great oldies.
<laughs> well, everybody out there, appreciate it. I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your week and stay safe out there and don't go raid any Capitol buildings and invest wisely. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>